Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. If you're new to us, welcome to Cross Lane. We're really, really glad you decided to join us today. I hope that you've been made to feel very welcome, and I, I want you to just be as comfortable as, as you can be. Let, let this be your living room. Um, I, I am going to be talking about something today that I think will be very helpful to anybody who doesn't go to church much, or maybe you, you might describe yourself as, you know, I'm, I'm far from God, or I, I you know, I, I kind of, I, I want to know God more, but I don't know much about God, and um, I think I have some ideas about what God's like, but I, I want to know some more. Uh, if any of that describes you, then today's a perfect day for you to be here. I, I'm going to be talking about something today that, that the idea per, way too much pervades the church, not necessarily our church, but it still exists even within our walls, I'm sure. And so I want to address it a little bit this morning, and we're going to do that. This is, a, this is our Easter series, so this is going to carry us all the way through Easter Sunday. And like I said, if you've got people that you think, you know, I've really been wanting to invite them to church, I cannot encourage you strongly enough to get them here over the next three or four weeks. Um, not so that we can do some preacher ninja thing. That's not what I mean. What I mean is they want to hear what they're about to hear. And I believe it's going to be said in such a way that connects and makes sense to them. And so um, if, you can, if you can get them here, you're doing them a huge favor. They may not see it that way, but you are. And um, I believe God will honor it. I love talking to people. I love talking to people who don't go to church and who would consider themselves non-Christians or far from God or not interested or whatever. You know, they've got some great questions. And one of the things that you will hear from time to time when you talk to somebody like that is, I don't have anything against Christianity. My problem or my question is this, surely there is more than one way to get to heaven. And I can appreciate that. And logically, it would make sense that there's more than one way because we're taught, aren't we, as we grow up to always look for more than one way to solve a problem. Um, you, some of you probably pride yourselves on being able to navigate Terre Haute by taking the shortcuts. And if I told you I wanted to go to the mall, you would say, oh, I know a shortcut to the mall. Let's take the shortcut. I know, you know, three or four different ways we could go. So we're used to this idea of finding different avenues in different ways. Um, you know, the question that, that, that I think comes up or the thinking kind of goes like this, if God is big enough to create the sun, moon, and the stars, and surely he did not limit access to him by just one way. Surely there's got to be more than one way. It's a fair question, and I hear it from time to time. In fact, some of you might be here this morning, and you would say, Brett, I'm a Christian. I believe all the Christian stuff, but I don't believe that Christianity is the only way. There has to be another way. Today, I want to talk about a premise or an assumption that supports the idea that there are many different ways to God and to heaven. Because most of the people that you know, or people who might say, I believe that there are different avenues, many avenues to heaven, I found in talking to those folks, I found in reading a lot of stuff and just listening to interviews and things, um, that people who hold that idea that there are multiple avenues to heaven, they also believe something else. And today, I want to talk about that something else because the question of, is it possible that there's only one pathway to heaven? is supported by this thing that we're going to talk about today, and I want to talk about it, and then I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks and address this whole subject of how in the world do we get into this idea that believing that there's only one way to heaven. So 
The idea that supports the notion that there are many paths to heaven is this, that good people go to heaven. Good people go to heaven. That is, not only Christians go to heaven, but good Christians go to heaven. Not only good Jews go to heaven, but, or not only Jews go to heaven, but good Jews, and, and you just fill in the blank, you know, uh, good Buddhists, good Taoists, or whatever. Um, that it isn't just any one group of people, but it is the good people from all of those groups that get to go. In fact, a person who believes that there are many roads to heaven believes um, there are, are people who probably aren't associated with any church or any religious organization or belief system, but if they're good people, the common denominator, the key to the whole thing is, you know, that it's, that it's just the good ones. Um, the common denominator between Christians and Buddhists and Hindus, pick the group, it's not a belief system, it's, it's not an identity of who their God is or how we pray or, or how we worship. The common denominator is they're all good people. So consequently, God isn't limited to one specific avenue or one specific religion. He's just going to try to gather up all the good qualified people from all the re- religions and they're all going to make it. <coughs> so Christianity is an avenue, these people would say. If you're a good Hindu, you're in. If you're a good Taoist, you're in. Now, many of you might believe that this morning. In fact, some of you who are Christians might believe that. And if I were to say to you, do you think God is going to let you into heaven? You would respond with, well, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. And then you probably would start to meander into some form of, and I do my best and I'm trying hard and I'm a good guy and I'm a good dad and I don't hurt anybody But I'm not perfect. I don't know why we feel like we've got to say that, but we always say that, don't we? I'm not perfect, as as if anyone would think for a moment that any of us are perfect, okay? It's like, oh, thanks for telling me that. I didn't already know that. I, I assume that you were. It's funny how we all say that. Let me help you. Just assume that everybody knows that you're not perfect, okay? Because they're thinking it. They're just not saying it. But we say that, and then we, we start in on, and I did this, and, and I've done that, and I promised, and I told God way back when, and, and you're here today, and you believe in God, you believe in Jesus and the Bible, but if I were to ask you why you're going to heaven, you would start to tell me about the good things that you've done. You know why? Because in your heart of hearts, like most people in our society, you believe that God is going to gather up all the good people from all the different religions and denominations. Now, just let me tell you, one of the differences between your life and mine as a pastor, um, in a lot of ways we're very similar, but, but in, this, in this way we are not, you experience relationships differently than I do. When someone finds out that I'm a pastor, you can just kind of see, and I try to hide that from people, believe it or not. When I'm on planes, if, I've, if I feel like talking to you on a plane, I will tell you something interesting about me that I think is interesting. You know, what do you do? You know, I used to own a screen printing business, so maybe I'll say I'm a screen printer. Um, if I don't want to talk to you, I just tell you I'm a pastor, and they, they ignore me. <laughs> they, they, they don't want to talk to me. Hi, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Suddenly they've got a book to read or their computer comes out. It's awesome. But when they find out I'm a pastor, you can see the wheels start to turn. Because what they assume is, I'm not conversant in anything other than God, Jesus, and heaven, right? They, they think that's all I know to talk about. Don't talk to him about sports. He doesn't know anything about sports. 
He can't talk about politics. He can't talk about geography. I really can't talk about geography, but I can talk about <laughs> politics and sports. So they'll say, well, you know, th then they, they kind of, they, they, they want to find some common ground. So they'll say, well, you know, I, I used to go to church or I lived close to a church once or, you know, something to identify. You know, they want to get on that path. They want to feel like they, you know, they feel like they've got to. So consequently, I've had the opportunity to talk to some really interesting people with some really interesting conversations because when people find out what I do, they kind of bring it up. But I have a hard time engaging anybody in a super serious conversation about heaven. Because then it's kind of like, well, you know, whatever. And the assumption is, if anybody's going to make it, I'm going to make it. I mean, that's pretty much what we all think. You know, whatever the qualifications are, I'm sure I'm at least average. I mean, I'm not, Brett, I'm not the best, but I'm, I'm not the worst. So I'm probably somewhere in the middle. And the general assumption is good people go to heaven. Not just any one group. God is going to gather up the good of all of them and good people are going to go to heaven. Now, I'll tell you that there, there's something very appealing about the notion of good people going to heaven. And here it is. Because I'm good, right? Aren't you? You're good. When you start thinking about heaven, you think, well, I'm, I'm good. I mean, are there any bad people in here? I didn't think so. See, no one goes around and identifies themselves as a bad person. It's hard to find anybody who will admit to me, I believe in heaven I believe that good people are going there. I'm just not one of them. I've never heard anybody say that. I, I saw a Pew Research poll this week. The poll was dated 2015 that said 75% of all Americans believe in heaven. 75%. Now, this has nothing to do with the sermon, but I just have to tell you this. In the same poll, it also said, and this floored me, the same poll said that up to 5% of atheists believe in heaven. I mean, just think about that for a minute. I don't know what that says about them. They're really confused atheists, but, but I don't believe in God, but I believe in heaven. And, and you know what else goes along with that 75% that believe in heaven? Probably close to 100% of the people who, of that 75% who believe in heaven believe they're going to heaven. Now, there's some merit to this philosophy or this argument. Here's why it's helpful to believe that good people go to heaven. Number one, it's a fair system. It's fair, isn't it? Because in my household, good things happen to good people. When my kids did good things, good things happened to them. When they did bad things, bad things happened to them. In our society, good things happen to good people, we hope, and usually. You know, you make good decisions, you'd like to think that good things are going to follow. You make bad decisions, bad things are going to follow. It just seems right and fair that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. It just seems like a fair system, and it seems to be consistent with the stories in the Old Testament. I mean, you get in there and look around in the Old Testament, and there are things going on. Bad things are happening to bad people, and good people seem to have good stuff happening to them. Another advantage of thinking this way is this. Number two, you'll make the cut. Like I said, you're a good person. So one of the advantages of being a good person, if good people go to heaven, is good people go to heaven, and you're one of them. So you'll get to heaven. Third advantage is this. It motivates me to be good. If you live your life thinking that good people make it and bad people don't, then I'm not sure what good is, but I'm going to do my best. And it kind of motivates us, especially as you get closer to the end of your life and you start thinking, you know, I need to start to bone up on the good things because I've spent a long time doing a lot of the bad stuff, so I need to do a little 
catching up. You know, it's kind of like going to the teacher after class at the end of the semester, can I do some extra credit? And the last thing is this, it's very consistent with the idea of a good God, right? If there's a good God who lives in a good heaven, it should be filled with good people. It just makes sense that good people should go be with a good God in a good heaven. And again, we, we could go around the room this morning and come up with dozens of reasons why we think good people go to heaven. Philosophically, it just seems logical and practical It's easy to buy into, and it just makes common sense. In fact, I think it makes so much common sense that very few people have really spent a lot of time and explored the concept. You just don't find very many people at all who have done much thinking about it beyond just a a cursory or surface thing. So this morning, in an attempt to eventually approach the subject of, is there really only one way to heaven? And we're going to talk about that as the series progresses. Um... I want to talk about the problems with the idea that good people go to heaven. And I want to say this. Listen very carefully this morning. Uh, I'm not going to try to convince you that Christianity is right. I know that sounds weird for me as a pastor to say that to you right now. Um, Keep in mind that this is all part of a series, that there's more to it than just today. Try to preach these as a standalone, but sometimes they're really taken as a whole. Um, I'm not trying to convince you that Christianity is right this morning. And I'm going to say some other things today, and you're going to think, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard a preacher say. Um, Just kind of stick with me. I'm not trying to convince you that Christianity is right this morning. That's not my point. I just want to convince you that there are major problems with believing that good people go to heaven. Because chances are, some of you in the room this morning believe that, and some of you are Christians in here, and you believe that. And you say, you know, all I want to do is, is just, I just want to get to heaven, I'm going to be a good person. I just want to get you thinking about the fact that there are far more problems with believing that good people go to heaven than there are believing that Christians go to heaven. Let me give you three problems with that way of thinking, okay? And, and here's the first one. The, the first problem with thinking that good people go to heaven is this. There's no clear standard of good and bad by which we can check our progress. That's a big deal. There's no clear standard of good and bad by which we can check our progress. That is, that good people go to heaven, then we need to know what it means to be good. And we need to know how good is good enough, and we need to know kind of where the scales are and, and what, how do you weigh the scales and how do you read them. That God up there, whoever it is that, that, that is going to say that you're in, owes it to you to give you some kind of standard of what good is, right? I mean, if that's the way it works... And my eternity hinges on that, then certainly this person who is a good God in a good heaven, who's going to gather all the good people, ought to be good enough to make it clear to me and clear to you what is good and what is not good enough. And the truth is, we don't have that information. The truth is, we're we're really not, we're not told that, not the way we should be. Now, in America, do you know what people want to do? They want to get their Bibles out, and they want to say, well, I'll tell you how good you have to be. You have to be this good. You have to do what this book says. You have to love your neighbor. You got to love the Lord your God. You got to be kind, be obedient. And Brett, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to live by the good book. And I think this is the good book, and it's from a good God in a good heaven for good people, and I'm just trying to do everything I can to live what the Bible says Surely the Bible is all from God, or at least partly from God, and I figure that if this is the target, 
then I'll just shoot for this and this will be good enough. Now, listen very carefully to what I'm about to say because I'm, I'm going to burst your bubble and I, it'd be really hard, easy for you to, to misunderstand what I'm saying. If this is your goal, hear me very clearly, you will never be this good. If, if the people that do all of this go to heaven, ain't none of us going to heaven. And I know that's bad grammar, but I'm just trying to get my point across. None of us are this good. But there is something in you, because you were raised in America and you've been taught to have respect for this book, and you're not sure you believe all of it, but there's something in you that says there's something good in here, and I'm just going to kind of shoot for it. And I, I'm not perfect. But I'm doing a good job to keep the laws and the Ten Commandments or whatever. Now, let me tell you real quickly what the Bible says about itself. Here's the problem with using the Bible. Here's what the Bible says. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you know what that means? That means everybody tried, nobody made it. Everybody tried and nobody made it. The Bible also says this. Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. The Bible says there are no good people. And you say, but the Bible tells me what to do to be good. No, no, no. The Bible tells you the things that you ought to do, but at the end of the day, when you've tried all you can try and you've failed all you can fail, at the end of the day, the Bible itself says nobody really is any good. That there really aren't any good people. And I, I say this to people all the time, and they, they want to argue with me and fight with me. You're not a good person who occasionally gets it wrong. You're a bad person who once in a while gets it right. Isn't that true? You want me to prove that to you? Look at your two-year-old. You're a glorified two-year-old. You've just learned how to hide it, right? Because we're selfish to the core, just like a two-year-old. Give a sucker to a two-year-old, let him walk into a room where you are, take the sucker out of his mouth and keep it away from him. What's he going to do? Scream and kick, whine. If he could cuss, he'd cuss. That's pretty much us, okay? So if you think you've outgrown all that, you really haven't. We all know it. We're all just glorified two-year-olds, and we figured out a way to cover it up. So you're not really a good person who, who sometimes gets it wrong. You're a bad person who once in a while gets it right. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying that what the Bible says is true. Romans 3.20, therefore no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Now don't miss that. This is what the Bible says. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. That is, when you die, according to the Bible, God is not going to look at anybody when you die and say, oh, you were really good? Come right on in. That's not going to happen. The Bible says that nobody is righteous according to the law. Look at the rest. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. The Bible teaches that the reason God gave the law wasn't so that you would have something to keep so you could go to heaven. The Bible says the reason that God gave the law was so that you'd go, whoa, I am really bad. I can't, you know, that you would look at God and say, God, I can't keep this. I'm trying to keep it, but there's stuff you call me to in there and I let, if, if that's what if that's what you want me to shoot for, I let you down every day. Now, I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying that's what the Bible says. Here's why that's important. 
Because many of you were born in America. And many of you grew up in the Bible Belt. And there's just something that we've never really thought about. We've never analyzed it, never really thought it through. There's just something in your brain that says this is a good book. God is a good God. He lives in a good heaven. And I'm just going to kind of do my best to do what the Bible says. And then God is going to say, hey, you've got at least 51% credit. So you get the scale tipped to the good side. So you get to come on in, you're in. And I just want you to know, and you can read it for yourself, if this is your standard If this is what you're looking to to decide whether or not you're good or you're bad, if this is the roadmap you've been using and you don't even know the Bible, maybe you just know a verse or two and you're kind of cobbling together and doesn't the Bible say and I thought the Bible said and you've just kind of put together your own little formula of what's good. I'm telling you, don't use this because you are not this good. If this is the standard, there are no good people. The standard is way, way, way too high. That's all I'm saying. Now, once in a while, you're going to find somebody, they're going to talk about God in the Bible, and this will be their number one refrain. I hear this a lot. Brett, I keep the Ten Commandments. I just, I just work on te- keeping the Ten Commandments. And they will be certain that because of that, they're going to go to heaven when they die. A lot of people think that. But here's something interesting that you may not know. You can go to something called a concordance. I don't know if you know what a concordance is. It's a great big book. It takes every word that's in the Bible, and it tells you where you can find that word. Okay? For instance, if you wanted to know how many times the word kingdom appears in the Bible, you look up the word kingdom, it tells you all the places in the Bible that you'll find the word kingdom. Doesn't that sound like a book that you'd like to have in your library? That's a book you probably ought to have if you you don't have a concordance, you probably ought to get a concordance. Many of you have a Bible, might have a concordance, a small concordance in the back of it. And, and here's what you find out. If you look up the word heaven in a concordance, what you find is that the word does not appear one time in any of the books where the Ten Commandments are contained. The book of Exodus, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, heaven is not mentioned, it's not in there. There's nothing in there about eternity. There's nothing in there about life after death. There's nothing about being with God after you die. It's not mentioned in any of the books where God gives the law. Here's why. There is no relationship in the Bible between the law and where you spend eternity. Now, that's a big statement. I'm going to say it again so that you can either get really mad at me because you disagree or you think, oh, that's great. There is no relationship in the Bible between the law and where you spend eternity eternity. There's no verse that says if you keep the Ten Commandments, you'll make it. There isn't a verse that says if you're faithful and you do your best and you try, and you try to keep the Ten Commandments, when when you die, you're going to get in. It's not even implied. It's It's not in there. Here's all I'm saying. If you're here this morning and somewhere in your mind, you have always assumed good people make it and bad people don't. Whatever part of this book you have factored in to that belief system, take it out because that standard is way too high. Not only are you not perfect, you're not even this good. And if you're trying to factor this book into your standard of I'm doing my best, it just doesn't fit. And I, let me just stop and say, I'm saying you're not that good. I'm included in that, okay? I'm, I'm not any better than you. It, none of us are that good. Some people say, I, you know, I'll tell you where I get my standard of right and wrong. I just think that good people go to heaven, and I think God puts in all of us this innate sense of good and bad. We know what's good. 
We know what's bad, and, and I know right from wrong, and so we're supposed to do our best and just do what we know is right, and if everybody will just do what's right and do what's good and stay away from the stuff that's bad, we will all have a great world, and this is what God's going to look at. And he's going to look at our motives, and he's going to know what we were trying to do, and we, he's going to know when we knew what right and wrong was, and he's going to hold us accountable to that. Now, here's something to think about. Did you know that there have been major wars fought between two groups of people who thought they were right? And had you gone to group A and said, why are you doing this? They would have said, because we're right. And not only would they have said, we're right, they would have said, and God is on our side. Because we're right. And then had you turned around and gone to the other side and said, why are you doing this? They would have said, because we're right. And they would probably also add, because God is on our side. Poor schizophrenic God. He can't decide whose side to be on, right? Think about this. Not too long ago in our country, white people, even white church people, had major confused thinking about white people. And had you gone to any of those church leaders, white leaders, and said, why are you doing this? They would have said, it's right. They believed they were right, and they believed that the Bible backed them up. We look back on it today, not only were they wrong, but we're embarrassed to be associated with, with that in any way. We can't believe that people would think that way, but in that movement, in that time, they believed they were right, and they were quoting scripture to back up that they thought they were right, and they were praying God behind their actions. Were they right? I don't think so, and I doubt you think so, but they thought so, and they were sincere in their internal thinking when they said, this is right and this is wrong. Nazi Germany believed it was right. They sincerely held to that. I think they were wrong, but who am I to say that? And you say, well, it's obvious. Well, it wasn't obvious to them. In fact, some people on that side died for their beliefs. You see, if if I'm going to go by this little internal gauge that I have of right and wrong, here's the problem. It changes the older I get. Is that true for you? If you notice that the older you get, things change. Things that you used to think were okay, now you look at and you go, I don't know that that's okay anymore. I don't think I should do that anymore. And then there's some things that you used to think were horrible, and now you're like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like when I was, I'd say when I was 15 years old, if I saw you with a tattoo, I thought you were going to hell. I just, I was, I just, I don't know where that came from, but I just thought, oh, they don't love God. They, they surely, people with tattoos never went to church. You know, so I just assumed, well, they don't love God, they're not going to heaven. Well, I don't believe that anymore. So, so things change over time. Um, the problem is this. Even if we go by the little internal clock that tells us right from wrong, there's so much contradiction that we can't find consensus anywhere. There's not even consensus in this room, much less between the races or nations. So when you say good people go to heaven, here's the problem. We have no idea what good is and you can't drag the Bible into the equation. And if we, if we left it to what people have written, how do we know? And one person wrote this and another post- person wrote that. The fact is, if, if good people go to heaven, whoever that good thing or person is, he, she, or it, whatever it is up there, 
They owe it to us to tell us what's good. They owe it to us to tell us, everybody in the world, all the generations at the same time, so there's no confusion, what's good so that everybody can know. See, one of the problems we have with Christianity is that you think it's not fair because everybody doesn't get to hear. I want you to know, if you believe good people go to heaven, you've got the same problem because where is your God? And why hasn't he, she, or it, or whatever it is, communicated to the whole, whole world, to every generation for all time, here's the standard, here's what you do, here's how you make it. It's a mystery. It gets worse than that. There's another problem with it, the idea that good people go to heaven, um, and that is that we don't know how the whole thing grades out. This is a big deal. In other words, we don't know the percentages. What percentage of our actions have to be good to make the cut? Is it 50%? 50% of our actions have to be good enough? Is it, is it 75%? Is it like going to school where, you know, 70 and over, it's a passing grade, and anything under 70 is not a passing grade, pass-fail? I could go around the room, and I could ask everybody their opinion, and everybody would have a different opinion. You, you know, you'd say, oh, 51%? Does 51% get me in? That, somebody else would say, no, 70%. Somebody else would say, no, 80%. Somebody would say, well, I never killed anybody. Well, how do you know that's the big one? You don't know. And when does it start? When, when does the, the clock start on your behavior meter? Is it, is it at six years old? Or is it at 10 years old? All of us in the room are hoping it's, it doesn't start until after adolescence, right? We did such stupid things in adolescence, we're like, God, please don't hold that against me, right? Please tell me that the clock starts when I'm like, I don't want to even throw out an age because I'll get myself in trouble. When I'm too old to get in trouble anymore, please let me know it starts then. But how do you know? Some of us are in big trouble. You know why? Because we've done so many bad things that we're afraid we don't have much time left to make it up. Extra credit might not be a great idea for us. We may not have time for extra credit if, it's, if it comes down to this system. You just say, okay, it's over. You've done so much bad stuff, you're just going to run out of time. You say, Brett, that's silly. It is silly. But I just want you to think, if you're honest and you believe good people go to heaven, you have no earthly idea where you stand with God. You've made up a system in your mind Here's what's important to God, and here's what's not important to God. And if I were to say to you, how do you know? You'd say, mm, I don't know, I just kind of made it up. You see, as much as you might think that Christianity is unjust and unfair, you know what the good people go to heaven system is like? It's like a teacher at the beginning of a semester. And she says, class, there's going to be one test. It's going to be at the end of the semester, it's pass-fail, you're dismissed. And she says, yes, you in the back. And you say, do we take notes? No notes. Anything we can read? Nope. Is there anybody that we can talk to that's ever taken the test that can help us? Nope. You mean... You're going to give us a test over material we've never covered and you've never made clear to us. And she says, yes, class dismissed. You would leave and you'd go to your mom and dad and you'd say, mom and dad, I need to drop the class because this teacher's nuts. I don't know what they expect. If that illustration doesn't work for you, let's think about this. A lot of you in the room are runners, okay? 
It would be like getting in a running race and the, the starting line is clearly marked out for you. And you get ready to start, you get ready to drop the gun on it, you know, and, and you look over at somebody and you say, wait a minute, where's the course map? I don't see where the course is mapped out. And they say, well, it's, we haven't marked it out. Well, how long is this race? Well, we're not going to tell you. Well, where's the finish line? We're not going to tell you that either. You just kind of got to guess. Would you run that race? No, that's not a fair race. You'd say, this is crazy. Who designed this? I just want you to think, that's the situation if you start thinking about good people go to heaven. Because you have no idea what is good. You have no idea where you are in the race. And you have no idea how much time you've got left over. You don't know how much of the good outweighs the bad. You have some idea, but you made it up. And you're hinging your entire eternity on something you made up. And I hate to break it to you, you're just not that smart, and neither am I. See, the habits and sins that I don't wrestle with, (laughs) I'm sure God thinks those things are really bad, the things that I don't wrestle with. Stuff that I don't, like, I've never struggled. I know some of you struggle with trying to do, you know, stop smoking or something like that. I've never, not one time in my life have I ever been tempted to do that. So it's easy for me to look at that and go, oh, that's bad. Well, yeah, it's easy because I'm not tempted by that. But there's other things that I would be tempted by that you'd look at and you'd say, oh, God, he's a mess. You know, he can, well, look at him. Because you've never been tempted by those things. Isn't that how it is? Things that are a temptation for me, I think really aren't that big of a deal to God, but the things that are a temptation for you, I think are a really, really big deal. You say, whoa, I, I, I bet God hates those folks. So we make all this stuff up, and I'm just telling you, as much trouble as we might have with Christianity being an unjust system, I just want you to know the problems with believing that good people go to heaven are far more complex. A teacher won't tell you what's going to be on a test. That's not a good teacher. That's not a just teacher. A race where you don't know where the end line is and you don't know where the course goes, that's not a, that, what kind of race is that? And to believe that good people go to heaven is to embrace a system that is so unjust and unfair that it breaks down even with the least bit of analysis. I know Christianity is tough at times. I know that. And I know there are some questions that are hard to answer, but there are answers to a lot of those questions. But if good people go to heaven, we're all in a world of trouble. Because none of us know where we stand, and you don't dare open the Bible, or we're even in worse trouble, because the Bible says that nobody's good. Now, here's the third and probably the biggest problem with the good people go to heaven strategy, and it's this. It makes a liar out of Jesus Christ. I've had talks with a lot of people about Jesus and church and salvation, but, you know, I've never had somebody look at me and say, I think Jesus lied. I've never heard that. Now, they, you know, they won't say that. What they'll say is, I don't think Jesus said that. And when I point it out in the Bible, you know, you don't hear them look back and say, well, I think he was lying when he said that. They, they'll just kind of mumble a lot and then finish it up with, I, I don't think Jesus said that. See, there's something in all of us. We just can't get there. But the problem is, if good people go to heaven, Jesus lied. You know what Jesus taught? He taught the opposite was true. No religious leader has ever taught this. Jesus taught this. Bad people go to heaven not good people. That's what Jesus taught. Back in Jesus' day, there was a whole group of religious leaders, 
And their job description, this was their job description, just be good. They spent, that was their full-time job, just keep the law and be good. Their life was devoted to being good. They washed a certain way, they wore clothes a certain way, they did certain things on certain days at certain times. Their entire life was consumed with being good. See, Jewish law taught that one day the Messiah would come, and this group of people had the responsibility to identify who the Messiah was so that they, they had to stay very much in sync with God so they would be able to identify for everybody else the Messiah. So they were very holy, very righteous, religious. And Jesus came along, and this is what he said. See those folks over there? You say, yeah. They are the holy good people. And unless your goodness exceeds theirs, you're not going to get into heaven. But Jesus, those are the goodest people there are. Nobody's gooder than them. And he would say, yeah, well, that may be true, but unless your goodness, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, the common person like you and me hears something like that, and they just give up. They say, well, you know, what's the point? Why, why would I even try? What's the use? The common person didn't, didn't have time to be that good. And then Jesus said this, he did the strangest thing. He would walk up to unholy, unrighteous, bad people, and he would say, you're forgiven. But, but I, didn't, I didn't do anything. You're forgiven. That's okay. You're forgiven. He would walk up, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. He taught that the best of the best weren't making it, and the worst of the worst were forgiven. You know what Jesus believed? And I'm not saying this is true. I'm just telling you this is what Jesus taught. Jesus didn't believe good people went to heaven. Jesus taught that forgiven people go to heaven. And there's a huge difference. Now, I want to give you a quick story. And you're thinking, oh, dear Lord, he, that was the introduction. I want to give you a quick story out of the Bible. And I promise this is going to go really fast. Luke 23, if you have your Bible, look that up for me. Luke 23, if there's anything in you that somehow believes that somehow good people make it, this story ought to put that whole thing to rest. Luke 23, verse 32, we're going to look at the crucifixion of Christ real quick. It starts out, two other men, both criminals. Now, that word criminals, in other Greek literature, not necessarily Bible literature, but other Greek literature, the word translates pirates okay these are bad dudes these are guys that are so bad they they couldn't even be trusted to to work in in a trireme galley ship they couldn't even be trusted or used as slaves they were so bad they couldn't be chained ankle to ankle at the bottom of a boat to row a boat for the rest of their life these these guys are so bad there, there's no hope for them being used in any constructive way these are the worst of the worst, and the, and the society has decided they're going to kill them. Both criminals were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, help them do better. Is that what he said? Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. 
They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a note written, a, notice, a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. And we know from Matthew that there were several hurling insults, possibly both of these guys. Verse 40, but the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. You know what this guy recognized? He recognized that even in a human court of law, he was being punished justly. He knew that he was such a wretched person that he deserved to die, not by God's standards, but by human standards. He goes on, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered to him, too bad, so sad, you're dead. I'm sorry, you didn't do anything good, you're bad. Is that what Jesus said? Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And then they both died. The thing that makes Christianity different than anything else you will ever explore or think about is this. Christianity is not about do. Christianity is not about do. Christianity is about putting N-E on the end of it. Christianity is about done. Christianity teaches that forgiven people go to heaven, and the way we get forgiven is to throw ourselves at the mercy of the only one who's worthy to pay the price for our sins. And the way a person becomes a Christian is, is by doing exactly what the criminal on the cross does. You know what he did? He recognized his need. He recognized who Jesus was. Remember me, because I need someone to remember me when you come into your kingdom, because I believe you are the king. And if there's any hope for me, it's certainly not going to be in my deeds, because my deeds put me here. And if there's any hope for me, it's because you're the king. And Jesus said, that's all I'm looking for. You're forgiven. You're in. Please tell me what could be more merciful and unjust, unjustly biased towards us than that. Yeah, there are some difficult things about Christianity, and we're going to talk about those things. But I'm telling you, Christianity is the most fair, just system possible in an unjust, unfair world. I want to summarize it as we go out. I just want to give you three statements. Let's summarize this whole thing in three statements. Everybody's welcome, Romans 10, 13. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. John 14 says that. Everybody gets in the same way. Everybody can meet the requirement. Can you think of anything more clear, more fair, or more just than that? Everybody is welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. Everybody can meet the requirement. Here's what we read in the Bible. For, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever tries really hard. Whoever keeps the Ten Commandments. No. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Everybody's welcome. Everybody gets in the same way. Everybody can meet the requirement. 
I've done this illustration several times, but it's always helpful for people who've not seen it. You have two options for trying to get into heaven. One of them works and one of them doesn't. And I'll illustrate it with this stool. Right now, I am placing absolutely no trust in this stool because I have not put any of my weight on it. What a lot of people want to do is they kind of want to put a little bit of weight on the stool, but they don't trust the stool. They got both feet underneath them, and if something should happen to the stool, I've still got my two feet. It's kind of what we want to do with Jesus. And we want a little bit of Jesus, but we're not really sure we want to trust Jesus, so we kind of sit on the edge and we keep our feet up underneath us. That is not really trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus is this. God, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is enough to forgive my sin. And I put all of my faith in that. Not in how good I can be, not in how many Bible verses I can know, not in how many times I go to church or any of those things. God, my, if, if Jesus dying on the cross does not save me from my sins, nothing can. All of my faith is in that. Now let me just ask you one question. Have you ever placed faith in the cross of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you ever said, I need, I don't need to go to church, I don't need to read my Bible more, those are great things, and I'm not saying they're not. Please understand, I'm not saying they're not. Those things don't save you. I need to be forgiven. And if you've never gone to God and said, I need to be forgiven, that is the only issue in your life eternally that needs to be settled. And once it is, man, life gets way better. I had somebody say to me on the way out, Brett, it sounds like you're just telling everybody they can do whatever they want. That's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. If you hear that, you're hearing it wrong. I'm just telling you that good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And you can become one of those this morning. We're going to stand and sing in a minute. If you've never given your life to Christ, you can respond this morning to that. Let's pray together before we go. Father, you're awesome. <laughs> Every one of us in here has tried to do this good thing. We've all, we've all tried to be good. We've all read the Bible and thought, I'm going to do that, only to find that we can't consistently do it. I mean, we try. We, we know it's, that the Bible calls us to things, and we want to do those good things, but God, at the end of the day, we're just not very good. And Lord, at the end of the day, nothing but your love and your grace and your forgiveness saves us. And it is your love and your grace and your forgiveness that drove Jesus to a cross to die for every single one of us. So this morning, we're just telling you, we understand that and we are so thankful. But God, for the one who's in here and they've never expressed that to you. And maybe they're understanding for the first time, wait a minute, you mean to tell me, I've been... I, I've been counting on my goodness and I've known all along that something didn't fit there and now this guy's telling me that it's about forgiveness and I can have that? God, I pray that you would whisper into their spirit this morning, yes, you can have that. That Jesus went to, cross, to the cross to die for, for that one person's forgiveness. Father, we love you. We worship you and we tell you how thankful we are for your gift of forgiveness to us. It has set us free. And we can look forward to an eternity with you. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray.